Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody, uh, I don't know about you, but good comedy is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. Now, one of the least favorite things in my world is bad comedy. There's literally nothing worse in the entire world for me than the, the uncomfortability of sitting through a comedian who can't make you laugh. Like, I feel really good on a Sunday morning when I say a joke and everybody laughs at it. Uh, nothing makes me feel worse than I, when I say something I think is funny and I'm about ready to join in with you laughing with me and none of you start laughing. Like, it's embarrassing. It hurts the ego a bit. And sitting through a whole comedy routine of that, to me, it's literally the worst. Now, for me, one of the things that, that I think always gets me the most is a good impressionist. Uh, picking out the, the intricacies of someone else's personality quirks and then using that to impersonate them, like, to me, it's comedy gold. And I actually had it done to me one time. Uh, when I was coaching girls basketball, one of our main rivals was from this town, Rhinelander. And uh, they were a school in our conference and they had some kids that they seemed to always just be rowdy at games. And at the end of one of the games that we were losing to them, uh, I spotted something out of the corner of my eye. Uh, backstory here, I oftentimes during the game, I would kneel down on one knee in front of the bench. Um, it got me a little closer to the action, I felt like, but it also kept me from blocking the view of the game for my players. I'm not super tall, but if I'm standing right in front of them while they're sitting on the bench, it's hard to see around me. Um, well, at the end of the game, I started to notice that these boys from Rhinelander, they were totally mocking me. They were copying literally everything that I was doing during the game. I'd kneel down and they'd kneel down. I'd yell something out at the girls or at the refs and they'd start yelling something. Once I figured it out, I was both completely annoyed and completely amused. It, it, like it was really funny on one hand, but in my competitiveness, it also made me, I'm, I'll be honest with you, maybe wanna like throw up a hand gesture that I won't describe too graphically just to see if they would actually copy that too. I was just getting annoyed. But in the end, I appreciated the humor of it all. While it was annoying, it was really funny. I hated losing the game, but I could laugh about what those guys did. And that's why we love good, good stand-up comedy. It's why, why we even sometimes like a little dark humor at times. It kind of digs into that dark part of our reality. And it gives, us, uh, gives it to us in a way where we can kind of laugh about it a little bit. Now those boys were highlighting some of the overly demonstrative ways that my competitive coaching style would come out on the sidelines. We all have hurts uh, that we've got to deal with. And sometimes laughing about them through some humor, it's good relief. But oftentimes laughing just is impossible. Uh, sometimes, uh, let's just be honest with it, sometimes life stinks. <laughs> People pass away, friends betray us, we get mistreated over things that we have no control over. Our marriages go through rocky stages. Uh, some people are just flat out not nice. And sometimes it doesn't even take something truly heartbreaking to make it feel like life just sucks. Enough tire flats or, or plumbing failures or injury setbacks or speeding tickets pile up in, in a day or in a week and it's like life just doesn't feel good. And so on top of that, we're also, we're pros at trying to minimize other people's pain. I'm not someone who's personally dealt with a ton of anxiety on a deep level before. I mean, I've worried about things. I've stayed awake at night because of my worry, but 
I don't really know what a panic attack feels like. And now that I've actually seen them in other people, it's crazy how tempting it is to just say, yeah, just relax, it's okay. And anyone with anxiety knows it probably couldn't be a worse thing to say to somebody who's actually experiencing some kind of panic attack. We can't control how we always experience pain and hurt. All we know is we all experience pain and hurt. It's a universal thing. And sure, some of us have experienced more pain than others, but if I took a poll right now of everybody listening to this, I bet that most people would probably say that they've experienced more than their fair share of hurt. And that's because any amount of hurt that we feel, it feels like it's too much. Today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at pain and suffering a little bit. Uh, we're gonna look at the pain and suffering that Jesus himself experienced. And we're looking at this to try to find an answer to one really big question. Is Jesus greater than my hurts? Can I experience the depth of hurt that this world has put on me and still trust that Jesus is good and loving and trustworthy? So the place that we're gonna start today is 1 Peter chapter two. We're looking here at verses 21 through 25. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When, he, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have, you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we actually started a four-week discussion in the youth group on the problem of evil. And really, there's just, it's looking at the idea of this world, there's so much hurt and pain in this world. How can God be a good, all-knowing God and still this world has all that junk in it? Now, let's face it, it's a question that, that I think at some point most of us have probably wrestled with. And part of the answer really comes out in the first verse that we just read through. It's a really small phrase in this verse, but I think it's really huge. And it says, Christ suffered for you. Sometimes on a really tough day, um, when I was, again, when I was basketball coach, and there was a trick that I'd like to employ sometimes with my basketball team. If I was trying to really run the team hard and get them in shape, what was one way that I could, I could immediately get them to buy in on what I was getting them to do? The thing I would do is I'd jump in and I'd start running with them. And think about it, if the coach is willing to jump in and suffer along with you, then a number of things are true. Number one, coach isn't asking anything more of his players than he's willing to do himself. Number two, there must be a point to all this difficulty that the coach is asking from you. Number three, when we're all in it together, there's really no use complaining. Do you realize that when you're going through the worst moments of your life and you're asking God why he'd let it happen to you if he was really good and really loving, do you realize that in Jesus, he actually suffered worse than what you're suffering right now? Jesus didn't bypass suffering himself. As Philippians 2 says, he didn't take advantage of his nature as God and use it to his advantage. He considered himself nothing and he took the pain of this life and the pain of our sin on himself. Jesus suffered. So what does that do for us when we get hurt and we are experiencing suffering? 
it connects us even more to the one who suffered for us. I want you to hear this today. Connection to Jesus is greater in our suffering. If Jesus were a superhero, he'd probably be given a name that represents some unique aspect of his person or his character. It'd be the thing that stands out most about him. Think about all the other superheroes. They're all given names that highlight an overriding quality about what makes them unique. Uh, Batman. Uh, Batman is the dude that likes bats and he flies around the city at night like a bat. And it's weird, but we, it, he's still the coolest. And then you got Flash. He's, he's really flash, fast. He's like a flash of lightning, so they call him Flash. You got Iron Man. Dude makes his suit out of iron, so they call him Iron Man. Captain America, he's like America's captain. The Arrow, he's really good with a bow and arrow. Uh, the only one that I could think of that his name wasn't really like that was Thor. But he's like a god or something in this make-believe world, so he just does what he wants to do. What would Jesus' superhero name be? We're actually given his superhero character traits all the way back in the book of Isaiah. And it's not the superhero story that you and I see on Marvel and DC all the time. In Isaiah 52 and 53, it says, See, my servant will, wa- will act wisely. He will be raised and be lifted up and highly exalted. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed." That is actually where we get the name of the real superhero, Jesus. And this is what we call him. We call him the suffering servant. Every hero suffers in the comics, but the suffering was actually, suffering was the reason why Jesus came to earth. It was his calling. It's what was his defining trait, and it's the thing that stands out above the rest. The human reaction to suffering is usually questioning how in the world it could happen to us. Now, someone gets cancer, and we're like, why would... Why would this happen to me? You get caught speeding. Why was I the one that got stopped? There was other people driving fast. Uh, Your house furnace goes out and it's gonna cost you thousands of dollars. Why me? Why now? Uh, What is the ultimate question to the reason to these questions? It's because we think that we are not as deserving of somebody else's of the awful predicament we find ourselves in. Well, guess what? Jesus proved by his life that a person could be squarely in the center of God's will, that could be loved by God and still suffer unjustly. Uh, Please hear what I'm about to say here. Your suffering isn't actually proof that God isn't with you. Actually, it's, it's just one more way that you're connected with Jesus because that's who Jesus is. He's the suffering servant. Now, I'm not trying to put a rose colored glasses on your pain. But if Jesus didn't think of his equality with God as a reason to take advantage and live without being hurt at all, I don't see how we can think that we are in some special consideration and shouldn't be hit with difficulties on our own. I want you to listen again to this verse, verse 21, what we read earlier. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What was Peter actually referring to when he says, to this you were called? He was talking about suffering for doing good 
and enduring it. That's what we're called to. Now raise your hand if that sounds fun to you. It obviously doesn't. But there is a value in suffering as Jesus suffered. It's not value for ourselves. Uh, Let's be honest. Like we said, suffering stinks. But when you suffer well, you bring value to the name of Jesus. Just as Jesus brought glory to God through his suffering, we get to connect with Jesus and do the same when we suffer well. Uh, Timothy Keller says this, you can always glorify God by having a trusting attitude toward him as you suffer, rather than becoming bitter. And the best way to do that is to look at God the Son suffering infinitely for you. That'll help you trust him as you suffer. You see, because Jesus suffered, he can actually help us through our suffering. It's truly the place where we can be closest to him. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Again, it's because he himself was brokenhearted. He watched his closest friends and followers leave his side. They denied him. Jesus himself was crushed in spirit. It wasn't just his friends who denied him. His own Father in heaven turned his face from him, forsaking him as he placed our sins on his shoulders. I'm not saying that your pain will be any less painful by knowing that Jesus went through pain for you. But connecting to him is easier when you remember his pain. Connecting makes the pain more doable. Uh, when I'd run sprints with, the, with those girls on my basketball team, I could see it in their eyes that they were just as tired as they were when I wasn't running, but it made it easier for them to get on that line again, knowing that I was connecting with them in their struggle. Jesus went through the struggle too. He's continuing in the struggle with you today. But don't just connect with Jesus in the experience of pain. Connect with Jesus in this patient endurance of pain. The people that Peter was writing to in this letter, they actually were Christian slaves who were finding it difficult to work with unbelieving masters. Just like Jesus suffered wrongfully and patiently endured, we are called to patiently endure if we're going to follow Jesus. Another thing Timothy Keller says is, the mark of wisdom is to be ready for suffering. I wish I could tell you that you're going to get to bypass hurt during your life. But I can't. There's beauty, though, in the fact that Jesus didn't bypass hurt either. Jesus became like all of us, sufferers in this world. We're not unique. Just as Jesus prayed in the garden, asking for the cup of God's wrath to be taken from him, we seek for our suffering to be taken from us. Uh, but sometimes God just has his reasons. They're beyond our understanding. But it's going to be okay. If Jesus could go through what he went through, he can see us through what we're facing today. Uh, but there, there's a problem in, in the human condition. Uh, first, we want to get rid of pain altogether. That's the first thing that we try to do. Like, how can I get rid of the pain? But if we can't do that, there's a second option that we actually try to go to. If I'm going to be in pain, then I'm going to make it worthwhile. Uh, let's be honest, there's a twisted side of us that actually revels somewhat in some of our hurts. We actually like the drama enough to pour gasoline on the drama fire. We enjoy reminding ourselves how awful the people are who wronged us, and we gleefully seek their downfall. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the, the bad one here. But we become pros at victimizing ourselves, and we do it all in, in all sorts of ways. And we do it because there's a payoff in doing it. But hanging on to our hurts, 
it's, it's not what our culture makes of it. There's actually a better way forward. Jesus' healing is greater than the payoff of hanging on to our hurts. Here's the fact of the matter. We don't, we don't mind hanging on to some of our hurts. We like to climb this hierarchy of pain. If I can lay claim to more pain than the person next to me, then I actually get to be better than them in this weird hierarchy of pain. And, and if you're about to say, Kellen, I, that seems really weird. Uh, that sounds like a lame thing to do in this world. I would never do that. You might be right. I'm sure you've never kept a record in your head of the things that you've done around the house compared to somebody else. I'm sure you've never thought that you were better than somebody else because you suffered more. I'm sure you never cleaned someone's dishes at the office uh, <laughs> that weren't yours and you held on to it for like two years and then you still were like, I'm probably still not even paid as much as those people. No, we none of us do that kind of stuff, right? This hierarchy of pain it's a place where healing is actually seen as something less than. Healing actually removes the pain status that gets me glorified more than the, the suffering free status gets me glorified. But I want you to read verse 24 again. He said, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. You catch that there? Jesus wants us to die to sin and live for righteousness. He wants us to be healed by his sacrifice. He sacrificed so that we could actually live free of our pain. But instead, we find ourselves holding on to facts or perceived facts that aren't even real. These things that brought us pain in our past. But the one fact that really matters is that Jesus died to heal us and to free us from all those other facts of life. Why don't you listen to this? There are always facts behind a person's pain, but the facts don't heal. Only Jesus heals the aftermath of the facts that you've experienced. Jesus could have very well held on to all his facts. He could have said, man, I came from heaven only to be put in a lowly stable. My parents didn't get me. My siblings thought I was crazy. I did everything right and I was still killed for it. But instead, Jesus never spoke up about his rights. In the face of hurt and suffering, he remained humble. He trusted his father. And because of it, we can die to the facts that we've been dealt in our life. We can die to our sins. We can die to our hurts, die to our rights. And we die to it all. And we live out his dream for our lives. This is such a huge thing, I think, for followers of Jesus today. No matter where we stand, we always think it's our God-given right to fight for what we want. But Jesus modeled the opposite of that. Jesus knew that during his life, that the healing that was, was to come was always going to be better than hanging on to the hurt that was present and, and that was raw. Don't fall into the trap of falling in love with your pain. Uh, there's too many people that go that route today. I actually think it's an ugly trap of Satan. He is a deceiver. He is going to deceive us into enjoying pain if we don't realize that's what he's doing. Let Jesus heal your pain rather than getting comfortable with it. Uh, now, before we finish today, there's, there's two more verses that I want to kind of look at in this, in this chapter. Uh, verses 22 and 23 says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Man, that... I don't know about you, but that just does not sound like me at all. Guessing it probably doesn't sound like a lot of you. 
when you're facing difficult things. Heck, I, I actually hurl insults at people, not even in retaliation. I just hurl insults because I like to hurl insults. My response to good things in life isn't even as good as Jesus' response to his pain. So this is the first thing I want you to, to really understand about what we just read there. Jesus is greater in his response to hurt. You know what I'd like? I'd like to respond better to pain. Instead of questioning God, I'd like to realize that he's, he's connecting with me in pain. He's not leaving me out to dry. Instead of hanging on to my pain and finding satisfaction in it in some way, I'd, I'd like to learn to give it over to Jesus and actually let him heal me. But I'd also like to respond better in the moment of pain. I'd like to have the character of Jesus in those moments. But I don't think I can just look at him as an example and all of a sudden do better. The good news is that there is a way to imitate Jesus in his response to suffering. And it's not dependent totally on me or totally on you. Jesus actually gives you and me the power to respond as he responds. Paul says in Philippians that we can do all things through Jesus. He empowers us to be able to, to suffer well, like he did. But we have to let him. It's not about sucking it up and just trying a little bit harder to get through it all. Let Jesus empower your response to pain by showing you the purpose in your pain. You see, if we're blind to our pain, uh, to what Jesus is walking us through, in our frustration, it's going to be easy for us to live out in the flesh and not in the spirit. It's easy to act out in fear rather than in confidence. Think about Jesus. As he was carrying his cross to his execution, he did it with patient submission. He suffered in silence and he did it because the purpose was always before him. And the purpose was God's glory. The purpose was salvation for you and for me. Those two things were at the forefront of his mind. They were not at the afterthought. And that is the crux of the matter when dealing with our hurts. Jesus had peace because he had a commitment to God and his higher calling. He knew that his suffering had a purpose and he was willing to go through that suffering to achieve that purpose. Look for the purpose in your hurts because finding purpose is going to bring empowerment. When you've been hurt, you don't become empowered by looking at the past. Again, the facts of your hurt they're not going to heal you. Jesus is going to heal you. And the fact is that your future is full of hope. The hurts that you have endured now can hold something positive in store for your future. Just like Jesus found purpose in enduring the cross because of what it was going to bring to each of us, you can find empowerment by looking at, through your pain to the good that might come down the road. And I think we all do this, at least on a basic level. Uh, you might endure three nights of listening to your baby cry in her crib for an hour at a time just to try to get her to learn how to fall asleep on her own. And it's literally the worst three nights of your life, but you're empowered to endure it because there's hope for where those few days are going to take her. You work out and you kill your body and it's no fun at all, but you do it and you endure in it because you're empowered by the hope of getting healthier down the road. You work weekends and nights while you're going through college. You're tired all the time and you feel like you got no life at all, but you're empowered to do it with the idea of getting out of school without debt. Work a lot harder now so that later you can enjoy yourself a lot more. It's all about clinging to the hope of what's to come rather than dwelling on the past. Where there's really no hope of things being changed. 
Jesus empowers us to respond well, to suffer well, when we let him show us the purpose behind it all. And the purpose is God's glory. The purpose is people coming to know who Jesus is. Hurts are always going to be a part of life, but they can either be a part of life where people will see Jesus in you more clearly, or they won't. What do you want people to see? While you're going to have hurts, there's also so much hope when we look at Jesus. Jesus didn't leave you to experiencing hurt on your own. He chose to take the greatest of all the hurts on himself. He meets you in your pain. An evil God would not do that. Only a loving God would choose to welcome the same hurts on himself that he allows in the lives of the ones he loves. He overcame his greatest pain. And because of that, we know that he's capable of helping us in ours. Do you sense a connection with Jesus today in your hurt? Have you been hanging on to a hurt that you need to finally give over to Jesus today? Truth is, he's big enough to take it. He is greater than whatever it is that you've had to endure. And sometimes it's hard to let go of our hurts because it, it gives us an excuse to look at the world and close ourselves off from it and be mad at the world. But I'm telling you guys, healing is better. Jesus wants to give you healing and letting your hurts go and getting that healing might be hard at first, but it'll make you so much better off in the end. Will you let Jesus heal you and free you from what you're holding on to today? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I just pray right now for healing in every single one of our hearts. God, there are, there are things in our lives, and some of us, as we're listening to this, we're thinking through the hurts that we've got going on, and they are deep, they are incredibly painful. God, I pray that you'd help us to be okay of getting rid of those hurts, to not hanging on to them, but giving them over to you, letting you take that pain upon yourself and to heal us. God, I pray for healing in people's hearts and lives right now. Uh, you know where those hurts are. God, I pray that throughout this week, you would minister to those hurts and, and just lessen the pain as we give them over to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.